hit you so hard that you've been knocked down Have you gone too far to find a middle ground? Did they raise you so high just to pull you back down? Have you been so lost you could never be found? Cause I've been real, I've been fake Been a sinner, been a saint Lead me to believe 
Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. If you can uh, hear my voice, if you're out in the lobby, come on in. Um, it's so good to be here. If only it was nice outside, right? If only we had nice weather for Mother's Day. But praise God for his generosity and his goodness to us every day. But especially we thank God uh, in a special way when the sun is out and uh, just enjoying the nice weather. So um, today, of course, is Mother's Day. So we'll have a special time of celebrating and honoring our mothers today. So thank you for joining us on this special day. <clears throat> And, um, you know, it is uh, special always when we gather together because, um, you know, when we worship God corporately, there's something special that happens. Of course, we see it all throughout the scriptures and people gathering and giving their uh, honor and giving God praise. And so... Um, you know, so it's unique. So I just don't want that to ever get lost on us when we gather together. And hopefully this is the beginning of a new week of worshiping God uh, for you and get to worship God, you know, on your own throughout the week. But uh, we start the week by praising God together. Amen. And so um, before I ask you to stand to worship God through song, I'd like us to just listen to the reading of God's word as our call to worship. And so we've all had kind of busy mornings and, of course, a long, busy week. And so uh, let this be an opportunity for you to settle into a time of uh, recognizing that we are before the throne of grace, the throne of God, and listen to his words. Uh, let them be uh, inspirational and hopeful to you and to bring your mind and heart into a place where we can then worship him through music. This is a reading from the beginning of Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are immediately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. So where can I go from your spirit, and where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say... Surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not even one of them. So how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. The reading of the word of the Lord. Let's stand and praise our God together. Father, thank you for this blessed time. Thank you for your blessed word. May we take it to heart. And may it be our call into worship you now. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's worship their voices now.
Father, we thank you. Thank you so much, Lord God, for just being able to worship you, Lord Jesus. And may we continue to worship you, Lord God, with our lips and with our love towards you and towards one another. God, you get all the glory. And Lord Jesus, may those words we sing be true. No matter the season, may our song be the same. For great is your faithfulness and great is your name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, amen. Take a moment to say good morning to one another in that name.
if we can uh, make our way back to our seats. Thank you. Um, there's always plenty of time for worship after our service and, um, of course, beforehand. So remember, we always have our, uh, our coffee fellowship available. So there's always coffee here. Uh, we start at 945. So if you'd like to get here earlier, it's a wonderful time to catch up with some people maybe they haven't seen in a while, at least all week. And uh, so take advantage of that. Come early, get uh, extra coffee and some time of uh, good fellowship and uh, love with one another. And then, of course, afterwards as well. So just um, a few words of what we call church life to kind of get caught up where we are. Uh, these are our core values. And uh, you hear me speak of these often. If you're here for the first time, we say welcome. Thanks for joining us. And for all our friends joining us in our live stream, we say good morning to you as well. Thank you. Remember that we do offer that. So if you're going to be away or if you're not feeling well, uh, there's a great uh, tool that we have to be able to follow our service online, and so you can do that. Just go to our website, trinityallenwood.com, and it says right there on the homepage, watch live, so you can do that. And if you miss a Sunday and you can't join live, they're all, of course, then recorded, and so you can just go to uh, the sermons and our resources and go back and view any of the previous services and messages, all right? Uh, but learn, go, and serve. It's how we pursue being followers of Jesus, the Bible calls that being a disciple, that after you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and rescue from uh, the penalty of our personal sin when we uh, profess that faith and put our trust in him and him alone, that uh, we then get to make that decision, do we truly want to follow him? Just remember what he tells us, that we are to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him, right? And so in that sense, discipleship is costly, right? Salvation is free to us. It costs Jesus everything. But of course, discipleship is costly endeavor. And so we say, how do we pursue being followers of Jesus? Well, we learn the truth and then we grow in our faith and our trust of him. And then of course we serve and we serve uh, each other and then we serve the world around us. And so that's a big part part of who we are. Uh, today we will end our service with communion. Uh, we normally do it on the first Sunday of the month, but we push it off till today. And so uh, after this morning's message from the word, we will gather around the Lord's table for uh, everyone who is a true believer in Jesus, as Jesus gave us that commandment to uh, take the bread and the cup in remembrance of him. And so we will do that at the conclusion of our service. Also remember, if you were here last week, or you watched online, there was an announcement that this year we're supporting a uh, local pregnancy center, and uh, that's down in Thomas River called the Open Door Pregnancy Center. And so they have this unique uh, campaign every year. It's a fundraiser for them. It's called the Baby Bottle Boomerang. Uh, don't ask me to say it again. It's a little hard. Uh, it's a fundraising campaign for the year, and so after service, you'll see out in the lobby, there'll be some baby bottles, and the idea is that you take those and then bring them back full of money um, by uh, Father's Day. So it's between Mother's Day and Father's Day, see, and so they come back around. And so they're just asking anything, of course, that you can give, and that if you take a bottle, you're committing to fill it, and we would just ask that, um, of course, fill it as the Lord leads. Uh, paper money is always better, but, um, and then checks 
votes, I guess, are accepted. And so if you want to put in there your gold, your silver, all your, you know. But, um, yeah, they just ask that you would do that. Bring that back on Father's Day in June and filled up, and then we will bring those down to the, to the uh, open door. And it's a great way uh, to just be reminded to keep praying. Um, for uh, the parents of the preborn and their decisions for um, their pregnancy decisions, and so the great ministry that supports the parents and the families as w as well. So we want to just take advantage of that. So make sure you take one of those after service today. And um, now I just want to introduce. Yeah, you love the picture, right? <laughs> I found it on the internet, so you you know you put it there. Because, you know, that's the thing, right? Yeah, if you don't want your picture on the internet, just don't leave your house, I think is what it is. Or else it's going to be up there. But that's them at their beautiful place, I assume, right down in Virginia. And so um, they are, of course, one of our special missionary partners. And so we uh, are just uh, privileged to have Jim and Liz Baker here with us this morning. So they're going to come and share a few words about their ministry. So let's welcome them and say, yeah, thank you. There we go. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Um, a happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers and grandmothers out there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a blessed day. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And Jesus said, so the Father has sent me, so I send you. And you have sent us. It's Jesus's plan. It's the Father's plan. And we have all been faithful to that and obedient to his plan, as Jesus was and is set an example for us. We left from Ukraine, from this church here in January of 1995, not having a clue as to what would transpire in these last almost 30 years. We had the incredible privilege of being in Ukraine for the month of March. So we're just going to share a little bit about what that was like to return to a war-torn Ukraine. It was our first time back in country since the invasion a year ago, February 24th. We actually flew into, into Budapest on February 24th. We had to take the train from Budapest into Ukraine because there are no tr planes flying over Ukraine. So when God sent his son, because of his love for the world, that's the incarnation, right? That's what we know as the incarnation. Um, that has been a model for us as missionaries to be incarnate in ministry. What does it mean to be incarnate? What does it mean for God to be incarnate through Jesus Christ. He became flesh, John tells us, and he dwelt among us. He moved into our neighborhood, y'all. Jesus moved into our neighborhood. He didn't send a text, whatever it was of the day. He sent his one and only son and he became incarnate, he became like us, and he moved in with us. He took on all of our humanity, and still being God, dwelt among us. And so when we returned to Ukraine for this past month, 
as again, as followers of Jesus, we moved into our old neighborhoods and new neighborhoods, and we spent time with people around the table. You guys know this, you do this, you go up and you, you do outreach. You're, you're already doing this in your, in your own places, whether it's in New York City, whether it's under a bridge and outside of Baltimore, you're already doing this. And what are you doing? You're being present. You're chasing after those who don't yet know Jesus. And you're sitting there with them. You're in their neighborhood. And you're loving on them. And you're listening to them. Sharing their grief. Sharing their sorrow. And this is what the ministry of presence truly is. And it is the ministry of presence that we had an incredible we were just absolutely blessed to be able to do so for the month of March. By the grace of God, we, we, we studied hard language. We, we do speak Russian. Jim is now learning Ukrainian. Um, and so we could culturally be relevant um, as Jesus was culturally relevant. <laughs> he came as a Jew. He is a Jew. <laughs> he, come as, he is a, born of a Jew. And he followed the Jewish tradition. And we were able to, as, because we spent so much time in culture and language and a relationship, we were able to sit around the table and let people tell their war stories. And just listen. Do we have answers? Well, we, can, we point them to Jesus. We pray with them. We cry with them. We drank many cups of tea together. We played music together, we prayed together, but mainly we listened and cried and held one another and stood with each other, whether it was around the table, whether it was out in the park, whether it was in a concert hall. This is the ministry of presence, and this is what Jesus, the pioneer of our faith, went before us and showed us. And as we follow in his footsteps, you know that the ministry of presence it's so important. It may be the most important ministry that we have and are able to offer to someone who is hurting in pain and grief and sin and minister the presence of Jesus to them. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the ministry of presence um, was not only, in, in a lot of cases, all we had to offer. Uh, we consistently heard that that was the best thing we could possibly bring because they're up to here with the hard times they're involved in. And they weren't looking for somebody to come in and fix it. They weren't looking for Mr. Answer Man. But what they really needed was to know that other people in the body of Christ cared, that other people were willing to take the time to understand where they were at, to just give them the freedom to just tell their story. And I initially just felt rather inadequate, but we were just uh, showered with gratitude for the fact that we took the time to be present with them. And so, you know, oftentimes the most impressive, impactful, transformational God's heart for granted, the fact that I can just sit down with you. I don't think about what an awesome thing that is too often. But that's kind of the way God works, is oftentimes the things we think are the most important and most powerful, they don't amount to much in the kingdom. And the things that we might just look at as, this is just a little penny against a million dollar debt, it's like, no, these things are, are what's really important. 
And so it gave us a fresh heart to just, you know, look at what we have with us. What are those things that we often take for granted? And today, oftentimes just the, you know, the love and presence of our moms and what we learn from them. We can take that for granted and not realize the transformative power that a mother's love and care brings. So again, I honor all you who that are moms. You know, like, like it says in Deuteronomy, the, the message, the message when God was giving his people uh, what life under the covenant meant, and they were going, you might think you have to go across the ocean or up into the skies to find, the message is here. It's right here. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth that you should follow it. And God has given us each other. He's given us our families. He's given us our friendships and relationships. And the transformative things that we think we have to work really hard for and go really far to find, oftentimes, you know, they're right here. Um, you know, our team is involved in a lot of stuff, but I just want to focus on a couple of observations from our time in Ukraine. And there's a war going on, and I'm not even really going to talk about that. I just want to uh, share a couple of insights of what we saw God's people doing, how they were responding in difficult uh, times for which they were not prepared. As you know, most of our efforts have been focused on uh, planting, building, multiplying, and nurturing churches. So that's kind of the lens. And we've heard a similar story many times over. We had a church we had about 80 or 100 people that would come on a Sunday morning, maybe 150 on a good day. And then the war came, everybody left. We were down to like literally just a, a dozen people. Uh, you know, we didn't know what to do. Now we've got four services with 250 people apiece because people are flocking to the church. And they're, they're, they're going there because they're desperate. They're going there because they're looking for hope. Um, and um, one of the one of the things I heard was like times like the, uh, somebody told me that was working with with folks said times like this that are so confusing and upsetting. They're a really very difficult time to form relationships of, of trust and mutual dependence. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great time to come in if you want to try to play superhero or you want to try to be a rescuer, but that's not what people need. They need to know uh, the, those relationships that come in the body of Christ. And because um, we've invested ourselves in those relationships for practically a generation, uh, the, the other thing this, pa this pastor said was, but this is an excellent time to put those relationships to work. This is an excellent time for us to find out how valuable they are and how fruitful they are. Um, you know, there's a, we, we thought many times about the story of Esther, you know, where, you know, she finds herself in this situation. And so many times, I think almost every conversation I had at some point, uh, we would hear about how God was using this opportunity, but almost everybody would begin saying, we didn't choose this. This wasn't our idea. We would have never wanted to find ourselves in this situation. But like, like Mordecai told Esther, you know, if, if you keep silent at this time, uh, relief and deliverance will come to God's people, but it's got to come from somewhere else. And you and your family may not make it through, but who knows if perhaps you've been put in this position for such a time as this. And I'm just here to bear testimony to the fact that the church in Ukraine is really there for such a time as this. They never expected it. They never wanted it. We're praying daily that this 
time of troubles would come to an end, but they are doing what they need to be doing and they are being who they were meant to be. Um, you know, in the, the church, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm not even talking about a network of congregations. I'm talking about people, people in whose hearts God has come to dwell and make his home. And those are the people we've poured ourselves into for all this time. And I can tell you that they are strong and tell you that they are unified. I can tell you that they are serving and that they are sacrificing. And so as we come alongside them, we don't, they don't need our strength. We don't come to be strong with them, but we have come to help them stay in the game, to help them remain resilient. So one of the things that we were involved in in this trip and we'll be going back to do this summer is providing for pastors and church workers who are in the fire daily and they can't unplug. They can't just take a Sabbath day and go out into the woods and relax. So we've set up a system where we can cover all the costs and, and all the logistics and bring pastors who are in the war zone out of the war zone for a week to just rest, spend time in nature, spend time with the Lord. And we thought that, and which is a great thing, but then they also said, but we need to talk to somebody. And we said, well, we thought you would rather just like enjoy you know, nature and, and God, and they said, no, can you send people to just listen to us? So we're, we're doing that, and we find that that respite helps build their resilience so that they stay strong. Um, you know, they're unified. They don't need somebody else to come in, the, in there and give them a seminar on how to work together. They just need, you know, that affirmation. You know, that, that's where just the ministry of presence and saying what you're doing is seen, it's valued, it's appreciated, it's glorifying to God, and the things that you're suffering through are bearing fruit that you might not ever see. And, and in my life, it's bearing fruit. Um, they are serving. Uh, we've heard, as you know, you're probably aware, a lot of places have been occupied by, and then the the occupiers leave and there's a big mess to be cleaned up both physically and in the lives of people and the church is predictably there before the government people come in before the cops come back uh, before things get set up church people are usually the first people there and so one of the things we're doing is just helping to equip them uh, we're not trying to tell them what to do or how, to, but they've identified a few gaps in their training. Like, like these churches that are now having four times more people than they ever had before, uh, they don't have any new tools to deal with that. And it's not, and if it was just a matter of preaching good sermons or doing, you know, good church stuff with these people, they, they're, they're all about it. They're well, well trained. But these people are coming in hurt and wounded and traumatized. They're desperate, they need the gospel, but they're, the, the things they've suffered are, are so, you know, the pain is so deep and so comprehensive that they need a little, you know, maybe it's even physical first aid, but psychological, emotional first aid to just be able to calm the heck down enough to even process any message, let alone the message of God's love. And these pastors have said, you know, you guys have been active helping us, you know, set up Bible schools, do Bible training. That's great. But like we need to know how to, to, to minister to people who are in trauma. To, to, to know how to not just meet people's spiritual needs, but to recognize and respond to their psychological needs in a way that helps us 
meet their spiritual needs more effectively. And so a lot of folks, and we met a few people, they were chaplains in the military, and they got some training that we didn't. They got a little first aid training, got a little trauma response training. They had a few other tools that we didn't ever get. So we were very active in along with the respite care um, uh, bringing people that have some level of skills to basically give them baseline chaplaincy skills so that they don't ju they're they're ready willing and able to preach the gospel to these people that are coming to them but they they know that they're not just a bucket with a soul in it that needs to go to heaven that they are a precious body that God loves God God took on a body and had to deal and, and dealt with that and so we need to minister to people as whole people so this is actually a great opportunity for the, and these pastors have said, I feel so much more active and alive in ministry because I have a bigger picture of what God wants me to do to make an impact on the lives of people. So it's like we never would have chosen to be in there. I, I pray to God it stops tomorrow, but the church is learning and developing from these opportunities, and they're sacrificing. And that's one thing I can't add, and I wanted to give you one story uh, that we heard um, uh, we lived in Kiev, and we met this guy who now used to. We were talking the talking beforehand. He used to play in a, in a in a metal band, and he came to God because he realized that love is stronger than darkness, and he wanted to pursue love. He now leads worship in his church, and when Kiev was under attack, there was a ring of suburbs, and and there were a lot of ministries that were working there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of, you know, like the the, the Wheaton of, of Ukraine. Right. And it seemed like where there were more active ministries, the violence was more intense. I, I think there's a connection, but I'm not going to go there. But this guy basically um, had, had a group, of, a team of about a dozen people, his worship team and a bunch of other people. And they would basically hear from people and say, I got a cousin or I got an uncle or I got a grandma that's living in this town and they're scared and they, and they, and they don't know how to get out. And they would say, we got a van, we got some body armor that we got from somewhere, we'll, we'll go in and get them. And so they would literally go in and fetch people and, and you know, literally pulling them from the flames. So they went to this one town, and the, the name of which many of you would recognize, but it's not particularly significant. It was largely occupied um, by, you know, occupiers. And around the edge, there were some Ukrainian people like, you know, cops or civil defense people kind of just maintaining that boundary area. So this guy had an address. He said, can you go get my, you know, my grandma and my aunt and uncle? And so he goes up to the civil defense guy, our friend, his name was Roman. And he says, I'm looking for this address. I gotta, I've got I've to pick some people up here. Can you tell me where it is? And the guy said, yeah, it's about a mile down this road. You go left, you go right. He said, well, could, could you come, uh, you know, show us? Would you come with us and tell us, you know, show us how to get there? Because we don't know this town. And he said, no. He said, and he said what do you mean no? He said, because I want to stay alive. He said, I know where that is, and I'm not going there. I, I, I want to live. I want to live to see tomorrow. And so this guy said, well, sorry, but, like, we got to do what we got to do. So they went. They found the address. They picked up Grandma. They picked up Auntie and Uncle. They're heading back out of town. And, and where they had this first encounter, they see this woman weeping over her dead husband who had been killed by a shell that had dropped on them while they were rescuing these people. And Roman, had, I remember it like it was a minute ago, he just said, if this guy would have just come with us, 
He wouldn't have had to die. He didn't have to die. He died because he was afraid of dying. He died because he, and I, it's just, if I've never heard a better illustration, of, like the, the verse that, that Pastor Keith mentioned, the verse after that says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. And this is what the spirit that is in the church of Ukraine is experiencing. They're experiencing God's truth and his power at a level of real reality, real time, right now, flesh and blood reality, that is just a blessing to us and a blessing to the global church. So thanks for your continuing to support us and pray for us. We will be going back uh, at some point in the very near future, before, you know, this summer, uh, to do some of the respite care, to do some of the chaplaincy training, of course, Lord willing. Um, and we just pray for peace. We pray for the flourishing of the gospel, and we pray for God's people to remain, remain as they are, strong, unified, serving, and sacrificing for the sake of Jesus Christ and his gospel. May all power and glory go to him. Stay right here, stay right here. We're going. Today is a beautiful day. You can stop this. A day to honor the women who shaped us. Nurtured us. Stop the video, please. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, that's my fault. I tried to get I tried to get your attention. Sorry. <laughs> Throw
Today is a beautiful day of celebration. A day to honor the women who've shaped us, nurtured us, and walked us through life. It's a day to say thanks to all the moms. Moms with toddlers tearing through the house, and moms whose babies have moved away. Moms who are doing this all by themselves, and moms who loved a child in need. Moms who have suffered unimaginable loss, and moms whose children are moms themselves. For all the times your love made things better, and the moments your wisdom made things clear, for the way you lived is an example, so we could see Jesus through you. For each and every memory that has lit the path we walk, we say thank you. Whether this is a day of celebration, reflection, or heartache, know that you are loved. Happy Mother's Day. Can I ask all the moms to stand, please? I know you didn't want me to do that, but I'm going to do it. If you just look around, and uh, I know it just it might seem like not much, but can we just give them a round of applause and just say thank you? And uh, moms, if you would just uh, remain standing, and if everybody else would pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we, um, we offer deep and heartfelt gratitude and express sincere joy for all of these mothers here, for the mothers that could not be with us today. We say thank you. And we thank you for all the moms in our lives that we have been blessed to know. Those who have loved us and cared for us and walked with us and taught us how to live well and to follow you. So we praise you for the wonderful love shown to us through our moms, and we pray for all those who are mothers that you would give them strength in their weaknesses and wisdom when they are unsure. Please give them patience and peace as they navigate life's daily demands, and we pray that you would please give them faith in your loving care for them and for their families. We also pray you would please bless them with an inexhaustible love for those whom you have given them to nurture. May they continue to love their children with your unfailing and unending love. And for those, Father God, who may feel some sadness today, as moms, please bring help and healing where there are wounds, bring a softening of heart when forgiveness is difficult and hope when hope seems fleeting to find. May we all be thankful for the moms in our lives who have given so selflessly and sacrificially that we may know unconditional love. Bless them, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, moms. You may be seated. I'm going to ask, too, that uh, after our service, we end with communion, that um, that you take a moment to uh, greet the bakers before they head out and just, um, just say thank you. If they have time, I can ask them for another story or two. I'm sure they have so many. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
but just take uh, take full advantage of the fact that they are here with us today. And please make sure that you thank the moms around you and just uh, encourage them. And moms, we do have a special gift for you on your way out. So make sure as you head out, just, just you can go ahead to the back before you leave later. And uh, someone special will be handing you uh, just a, a special gift for you today. So make sure that you do that. We'd like all of our ladies actually to take one too. So moms can, can take that and all the women here. So we just so appreciate you and love you and just say thank you. And you know what? Um, dads and sons, we need to thank them and appreciate them every day, don't we? And all the moms say amen. Hallelujah. Yep. And so we thank you. Yep. Amen. So thanks for that. And again, um, to Jim and Liz, thanks for sharing. Um, much appreciated. So um, today is Mother's Day, and uh, we do have a special Mother's Day message from the Word of God today. You know, um, a number of years ago when our son Luke graduated uh, from college when he was leaving school, he was taking a job uh, in uh, Hawaii and was, and everybody's like, oh, poor kid, right? And so he was um, taking a job in Hawaii, so he was a film major, so he went to, to film school, and um, he had to leave uh, pretty quickly, and so my oldest daughter, Lauren, and I, we went down to Virginia, we were going to school, and we offered to pack up his apartment for him, because he had to leave kind of quickly and wasn't able to do that and needed to be out of his apartment rather quickly. And so we went down and we packed his stuff up. And in the process, um, my daughter opened the closet in the hallway. And of course, there was all kinds of stuff in there we didn't expect. And um, my daughter found a, a pile of flyers just about this big called Beautiful Color Flyers. And on it was this a beautiful picture of my wife, Claudia. And at the top, it said, uh, in memoriam. And on the bottom, it had her year of birth, and it had that year as the year of death. And um, Lauren called to me. I was in the other room. She said, Dad, you come here, please. And so I went over, and she said, what's this? And so I looked at it, and I looked at her. I said, we better call Luke. So we called Luke, and he started kind of laughing awkwardly and told us this story. As we said, why is there this pile of flyers from what looks like um, Mom's memorial service? <laughs> And he started kind of laughing awkwardly, and he said, well, he was doing a short film project for one of his fellow students before he left, and in the film, there was a mom who passed away, and, you know, when you're doing a film, if you're going to use somebody's photo and like or likeness, you need them to sign a waiver so that they have permission, and they didn't have time to do that, and he said, you yeah, can use my mom. She'll be fine with that. And so it turns out, um, the way things went with the film, they wound up not using it. And so he took the pile and he threw it into the closet and forgot about it until that day that Lauren found them. And so when we tell that story, it's a, it's a great Mother's Day story to tell, right? We love telling that story. We were telling it yesterday. And so um, he laughs and says, you know, his spin on it, of course, which I know is true. It says that 
he knows that he could trust his mom and she would trust him and she would be okay with it. So after service, you can ask Claudia if she was okay with that. <laughs> but you know, we have to be able to trust our moms, right? And our moms, right, need to trust God and trust God with their children. So this morning, just briefly in our time remaining, I want to share with you a little bit about this amazing woman. In English, we say Jochebed, but in Hebrew, it is Yocheved. And she is, does anybody know who she is? She is the mother of Moses. She is Moses' mom, and so in a minute I'm going to read to you, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, it'll be on the screen, the book of Exodus, chapter 2. Here we go all the way back to the, the, towards the beginning of the Bible. So Exodus, the second book of the Bible, you're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. We'll briefly unpack this uh, brief story of Yocheved, and she is the mother of Moses, and also his sister Miriam and his brother, their brother Aaron. Now, many of you re maybe remember this story from Sunday school, if you grew up going to church, excuse me, or perhaps watching the Ten Commandments in any of those versions, right? Remember a little bit about Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Um, and in our uh, passage today, you'll see that her name is not given, but we know about her name from a couple of genealogies later in Exodus and another one, I think, in Deuteronomy. And so we know her name, the mother of Moses, Yehebed, and um, uh, her story is amazing, as brief as it is in the scriptures, not only because she gave birth to the mighty Moses and all that we know about him and what God did through him, but in essence, she really is a mom who had faith. She is a mom who had faith in her God enough to entrust him with her son's very life. And so, moms, this message is specifically for you, but of course, this applies to all of us, even if you're not a parent, we understand the need to trust God with our loved ones, especially our children. I'll give you a little background from Exodus chapter 1, and then we'll read chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, the story of Yehoved and Moses. So, of course, in Exodus chapter 1, we know um, that Genesis is over. Joseph, as Genesis ends with the story of Joseph, uh, and he, uh, of course, through God's providence, is used to bring the people of Israel, Jacob, now Israel, those people into, um, uh, into Egypt. Uh, but it says in the opening of Exodus chapter 1 that, of course, after Joseph died and went to be with God, there at a point was a new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph and the whole blessing of God on Joseph. So, of course, that Pharaoh now... Um, just, you know, wanting power and control and didn't know that whole story of Joseph and the Hebrews. He was worried and afraid because God had blessed the people of Israel with growth, tremendous growth. And uh, by our estimates, there was probably about 2 million of them now in Egypt. 
And so he did not want, the Pharaoh did not want them to rise up and maybe join with other enemies of Egypt and overthrow them. And so he was worried about that. And so he sent out a decree that all male children born from that point on, that the midwives would have to kill the male children because he did not want them to continue to grow in number and become a threat. So he told all the midwives who would help um, the people of Israel deliver uh, children that if a male baby was born that they were to kill that baby. So then we pick up in Exodus chapter 2. And here's what it says. Now a man from the house of Levi, remember them, they were um, designated by God to be the worship leaders, um, went and married a daughter of Levi. So they were both uh, from the tribe of Levi. Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. Now, again, her name is not given, but the woman is Yehaved. This is Moses' mother. Uh, we know later that the dad's name is Amram. And so they she conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got in a wicker basket, a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it, into the basket, and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance, that would have been Miriam, to find out what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her, and when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, is one of the Hebrew. Go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went, this is Miriam, and called the child's mother, then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Amazing story, right? So we often read that story, remind you of that story, because it is about Moses in many ways, but this morning it's not. This morning it is about the mom, Yohebed. She is the mother of Moses who becomes the deliverer of Israel, of course, a prefigurement or type of Christ. She was also the mother of Aaron, who was the first high priest of Israel. She was also the mother of Miriam, who was a prophetess, a poet, and even a singer in Israel, part of the Levitical tribe. Is that awesome? Wow, how about that for three kids, right? At least the three that we know about. Yohebed is not named, as I mentioned in this passage. We know from Exodus 6, Numbers 26 what her name is, and her name means uh, honor to God or glory to God. She's an amazing example of faith in God, trusting God with her children. So let's just briefly unpack these verses. So 
Now a man of the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. So she became pregnant with Moses during a very troubled and turbulent and difficult time. Why? Because the Israelites were now enslaved by the Pharaoh in Egypt. They weren't enjoying the freedom they once had. Pharaoh, remember, had told the Hebrew midwives to kill any of the Hebrew boys as soon as they were delivered. The, the passage tells us that the midwives refused. They feared God. So Pharaoh had to issue a new order from the end of verse uh, chapter 21. It says, because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. Pharaoh had to kind of take control, bring them together. It says, the Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Now every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. These were the conditions, church, under which Jehebed became pregnant. Can you imagine what was going on in her mind at that time? And in her heart, an expectant mother? Didn't know, of course, if she was going to have a boy or a girl. Couldn't tell. And what she was thinking, what if? What if it's a boy? What will I do? Now that the Pharaoh has commanded from on high that he is to be killed. So, of course, of course she gives birth to a son, who is later named by Pharaoh's daughter, Moses. Yohebed is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Did you know that? And we often call that the, the hall of faith and all the people that are mentioned from the Old Testament, especially because of their faith in God. And she is mentioned, Hebrews 11:23. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, Yohebed and Amram, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of of the king's edict. See, that's what it says in Hebrews 11. So she saw that Moses, it says, was beautiful. What it really means in the Hebrew, it's more of like she knew that there was something special. It wasn't just because he looked beautiful in his appearance that she had to do something to save him. It was because he was no ordinary child. God, I believe, had put that on her heart and her mind to know that. So she recognized that he was special in some way, but also her and her husband, at the same time, they feared God more than they feared the law. So they knew that he was special. God gave her that insight. But we know, of course, that all children are special. Every child is special to their parents. And we know God has a special plan and a purpose for every one of our children. Because, as I read earlier, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139. So, by faith, Yohebed hid Moses, it says, for three months. Because she saw that there was something special. That's a long time, church. Three months knowing that she had to keep him hidden. What about when he was crying? Yeah. What would she have done? Just thinking maybe one of the Egyptian guards were around and say, that sounds maybe like a male child. Why is he still living? So for three months, her and her husband had to hide him. But it also says that she obeyed God and not the law for three months. They didn't obey Pharaoh's command. And this, of course, took faith. Why? Listen, keep it in perspective. She was not only risking her life and Moses' life, but the life of her husband, 
and of Miriam and of Aaron and all the rest of her family. What a risk that she took. And when Peter and the apostles were told by the Jewish leaders not to proclaim the gospel and spread it any longer, and what does Peter say? We must obey God rather than man. They knew what God's will was, that the law of man at the time was against his will. Hebed trusted God, and she trusted God with her son. See, it starts with trusting God, moms. Do you trust God yourself with your life, but then do you trust God with your child's life? So then in Exodus 2, the next one's 3 and 4. When it says she could hide him no longer, after the three months, she got the basket, and, and she made it kind of waterproof. It kind of like what they did with Noah did with the ark, in a way, right? Put the child into it and set him on the reeds by the bank of the Nile. So in a way, she was obeying the law, because Pharaoh had said, you got to put the child in the river. She did, but first in a basket. <laughs> His sister stood at a distance to find what would happen. So God is using Miriam, the sister, to be a part of his plan. So she puts him in a basket into the Nile. Her daughter Miriam stood at a distance to just kind of keep an eye. And she gave up her three-month-old baby. Can you imagine? Now, like in no other way before, she needed to trust God by giving her child that God gave to her back to God. But here's the thing. See, all of our, our children that God blesses us with, they're his anyway. Do you know that? It's like he lends them to us. They're on loan from him. And we know, mom, sometimes when our kids are growing up, we say, God, can you just take them back for a little while? <laughs> just kind of do some stuff, then I'll take them back. But they're like on loan from God, and so that we as parents, moms especially, can nurture them and raise them and teach them and honor God with them like we are given them by God to be good stewards of them, right? So remember, Pharaoh had ordered all the male Hebrew babies to be killed. But think about this. So Pharaoh, of course, not being a God-fearer, being so short-sighted, thought in his sinful and wicked heart, well, only the males of the Hebrew nation can be a threat to me. How about the moms? Yeah. Right? How about the moms? So Pharaoh is somehow only threatened by the men. So God works, first of all, through the midwives who say no. They spared the Hebrew babies. God worked through Yohebed, who hid Moses for three months. Then God works through Miriam, who watched over Moses in the basket. And now... You're still going to see God works through Pharaoh's own daughter who comes along, finds the baby in the basket, and has compassion on him. God is using these powerful, important women, and of course, he still does today. Moms, your role is important beyond words. So, that's what God is doing. He's using the women despite what Pharaoh thought he could do to thwart God's plan. In verses 5 and 6, this is what happens, right? The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile. Like I just mentioned her maidens walking alongside the Nile. She saw the basket and sent her maid, brought it to her. When she opened it, saw the child, behold, was crying. She had pity on him. This is one of the Hebrews' 
children. But then what does it say next? Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, so this is Miriam, hey, how about I go call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she could nurse the child for her? See God's plan working out? So Pharaoh's daughter's like, yeah, go ahead, good idea. Because, you know, I, I don't want to have this kid around, like, well, I have to, like, potty train him and do the terrible twos and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so you can go ahead, get one of the Hebrew women to take care of the child. And so that's what she went to do, right? Isn't that amazing? So God bless you, heaven with a baby. She gives her baby back to the Lord. And then what does God do? He gives him right back to her. God has a plan. Do you trust God's plan for your life and for your children? Notice finally, in verses 9 and 10, the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away, nurse him for me, and I'll give you wages. How about that? Is not God generous? So she not only gets the son back that she gave back to him in faith, who God had already given to her, right? But now she gets paid to take care of her own son. Praise God. So Pharaoh's daughter says that. So the woman took the child and nursed him. We don't really know. It just says the child grew. We don't know how long Yehobed had three, four, maybe five years to teach him, to rear him, not just to nurse him physically, but to rear him, right? She wouldn't have had time to teach Moses the ways of God. Moms, start early with your children, teaching them the ways of God. What would Yehovah have taught Moses as he got a little older, he was able to walk and could listen and, and speak and understand? She would have told him all about creation, the flood, and Noah, her forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and their story, how they got as a people to Egypt. She would have been passing down her faith, the faith of her ancestors. She would have taught them how to pray. Do you tell your children stories? You do, right? They, they love to hear bedtime stories. Do you include stories from the scriptures? The foundational stories of our faith. Moms, do you teach them the word of God? How we all got here, right? Deuteronomy 11 says, You shall therefore impress these words of mine, God says, on your heart and on your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. He's telling this to the, to the Hebrews. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you rise up. Basically all the time, God says. Tell them about me and my ways. Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. Church, are we doing this? Moms, are you doing this? I encourage you to do that. If you're not, it's never too late. Moms, start early. When you teach them the story of God, you teach them about God's love, his patience, his provision, his protection, his providence. 
See, it was a very troubled and difficult time when Moses was born. It was a very hostile environment. We just ended a couple weeks ago our series on Second Peter, following Jesus in a hostile world. All about false teachers, remember that? We need to teach our children about God so they can recognize the truth in a world full of so many lies, especially about God and his creation. Moms, are you trusting God yourself? Are you trusting God with your children? Do you give them back to God and trusting him that he has a plan? Remembering this, your choices with your children will impact generations to come. Moms, you're building a legacy. Maybe if you don't even know it. I'm not sure Yochebed knew it. But God had a plan. Let's trust him for his plan. The last thing I'll say about this, and we're going to end with our time around the Lord's table. Do you know who wrote the book of Exodus? Moses did. As Moses, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, was writing this all down, can you picture him recounting the story of his birth? What his mom did. We praise God for Yochebed and her faith in her God. You know, we're going to have a time of communion now. We call it the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. This is how we'll end our time together this morning. In just a minute, you'll hear uh, music playing. We like to do that because it, it helps us to kind of just prepare our minds and our hearts for what we're about to do. This is something that Jesus gave to the family of God. He calls us the body of Christ, that we are to do this. It's a command of the Lord Jesus that he gave on the night before he was betrayed to all of his disciples. And he said that we are to take the bread and the cup in remembrance of him. But what are we remembering? We're remembering his sacrifice on our behalf, his death on the cross. We gather on Sunday mornings in celebration of the resurrected Christ, but of course he first went to the cross, and on that cross his body was given for us and his blood was shed. So now for all of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus and him alone, for the rescue from the penalty of their personal sin, God sees the blood of Christ when he sees you. You know that then in God's eyes you are made righteous and perfect and holy? Because only somebody like that can be in the presence of God. But praise God, because of Jesus and him alone, we get to be in the presence of our God. So take a moment during this time to just reflect. Think about your relationship with God. Think about what it means to be a mom, to be a parent, to be someone who is loved and who loves others, and what are you doing with the good news of the gospel? Are you telling it to the next generation and to the next? What kind of legacy are you building for the Lord? Take some time to reflect, just you and your God, and then uh, when we're done, I will uh, ask you to do this. After you spend some time with the Lord while the music's playing, just as the Spirit leads, you can get up and either come to the front table or the back, take a piece of the bread and a cup and return to your seat. Whenever the Spirit leads and you're done with your time with God, and when everybody has done that, I will close and lead us by taking the bread and the cup together. So let's uh, just take some time of silent reflection between us and the Lord.
night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said these words, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what Paul says. So let's do that. Let's take and drink, remembering that one day he will return. Now, if you would stand with me, we're going to close in song and praise God together to close out our worships together.
God, we thank you for our time together this morning. Bless us now as we leave. May we continue to be singing the words of these songs of worship this morning. May we be singing the songs of freedom and peace and hope. May we continue to remember the amazing moms of the scriptures that so inspire us to continue to build a legacy for the Lord. We pray for your help that we would never do it alone, but always through you and your strength and the leading of your spirit. And of course, we pray for your glory, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us this morning.
angels now Amen So be alone Amen It's true, it's true Amen Of our God and King, lift up your voice and let us sing. Oh, praise Him! Hallelujah! Thou burning sun with golden beams, Thou silver moments after Joy. 